We are so glad that you are here joining us online. It's such a great opportunity right now, especially to be able to gather together. And we want to encourage you, if you're not already, to engage in our online um, interactive services at 8, 9.30 or 11. You can just connect through the website and join us in that interactive piece. What's great about that is that you can comment, you can talk to people, you can see other people in our church body. It's just a great way to feel more like we're a community as yeah. we gather together, even online. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And if you're new, we'd love to meet you. So go ahead and grab your phone and text MRCC to 94000. Or in the chat, there's a little connect button. You can click that and we can get connected with you. We'd love to meet you and interact with you. Absolutely. I agree so much. It's just uh, good to know if you're new. We really believe that having a church home, a church community, uh, that we'd love for you to be a part of that. So yeah. if you'd love to call MRCC your church home, please connect with us. Uh, we want to get connected with you, right? Definitely. Absolutely. You know, we actually have a couple things going on this oh, summer yeah. uh, outside because that's the best place to gather right now. It's beautiful out. Uh, I know, <laughs> right? It. I'm enjoying the sunshine. Yeah. Uh, so this Friday, uh, July 24th, we're going to have a family game night just right here at MRCC on our backyard. I like to call it our backyard. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. throw up a bunch of toys and games and just stuff for the kids and families to be able to interact together uh, with a number of, uh, I don't know, activities that we have on the field. Of course, we'll have lots of sanitizer and all that kind of stuff so you can kind yeah. of <laughs> sanitize between games play have fun have some snacks and just be together right. on the property together in community yeah and another way we can be together is we're still having live services here at the church building mm -hmm. at 8 9 30 and 11 and we did signups before but since we're operating at 25 percent capacity and um, we haven't really had a problem with the numbers just go ahead and feel free to just come to service you don't have to sign right. up anymore there's no need to sign up just yeah. come we're excited to be able to gather together yeah. <laughs> any way we can, whether it's online or in person. We just are so excited that you can engage with us. And you know, even now we're going to turn our hearts in worship to the Lord. And that's what I love again about those interactive peace and the interactive service. Uh, send a little message in the chat just to tell us, you know, praise Jesus together, sing together, worship our Father together. Uh, Stand up on your couch if you want. <laughs> My kids do. They yeah. like to do that. Uh, but just to worship together, raise our hands in worship, and even type a few little messages in the chat just to show and talk with everybody as we worship. Right? It's great. Yep. Amen. <laughs> Good morning, church. Welcome to MRCC Church Online today. Thank you for joining us. We are outside again enjoying God's beautiful creation. Hey, summer finally arrived. That is awesome, isn't it? It is a beautiful day to worship. Let's gather together wherever we are in submission to our holy God. And we worship you and we thank you for all that you are, Lord. Let us worship him together, church. When we celebrate your forgiveness and grace, we worship you today. I was buried beneath my shame. I was breathing but not alive 
God, there's nothing like your grace. Well, let us reflect your forgiveness, your love. For the name of Jesus be magnified in us. We're creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry and then from north to south and east to west we'd hear Christ be magnified that's our prayer Lord yes we're the whole earth echoing his Christ be magnified, let's sing it church. Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified, the altar of my life. Christ be magnified. Still be singing, my song will be 
surrender to you. We trust in you, our faithful Lord. God, continue to build us up. Continue to draw us closer and closer to you so that wherever we go, we would reflect this grace, that we would reflect this love that we sing of this morning in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our country, in this world, how we need you, Jesus. We respond to this grace with worship and with praise. We thank you for all that you are. What a gift it is to worship you in the midst of your beautiful creation. We love you. We thank you for this day. We ask that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. So awesome to worship with you today. Thank you for joining us. Hey, everybody. It's great to be gathered with you again. I'm glad you could make time to come aside and join us in opening God's Word together. You know, Jesus said something really profound about the way we treat His Word. He said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And there is a part of us that comes to life that lives and is sustained by our attention to his word. So I'm glad you could join with us this morning. Grab your Bible, if you would, and open it to uh, Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to spend a little bit of time there together. And, and while you're turning there, huge thanks to Pastor Weston and the worship team for faithfully leading us in worship. The scripture also teaches there's a part of us that, that lives on worship, that comes to life when we worship. And, uh, this is part of the joy of, of knowing God as our Father, is experiencing those two kinds of life. Uh, so Colossians chapter 3, if you'll turn there in God's Word, let's spend a few minutes together hearing from the Holy Spirit. And as we get ready to do that, maybe you just pause for a moment and pray with me. Quiet your heart, get ready to hear from your Father. Let's bow our heads together. God, we thank you for your living Word that speaks life to us. And Lord, we ask you to help us in this few minutes together to set aside all the cares and worries of the world around us and to give you our full attention. God, help us to hear your spirit speaking to each one of us as an individual today. Help us to hear you guiding us, directing us, reminding us of your love, even rebuking and correcting us when we need that, because we know that you do that from the heart of a father. So God, as we open your word together, be our teacher. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, if you turn there. And while you're doing that, let me ask you a kind of a question I already know the answer to. And that is, do you ever get distracted and miss a turn when you're driving? 
Maybe you miss your exit on the freeway, maybe you miss the turn into the neighborhood or grocery store or whatever. We all kind of do that. It, it happens to me when I get into a deep conversation in the car with somebody and, and I'm paying more attention to that conversation than I am to where I am and then I miss and make a wrong turn. I look up and realize that I missed my turn. It's happened to me more than once. I'm sure it's probably happened to you as well. We get distracted and we forget where we're going. Happens to all of us. In fact, there's kind of a, a funny story in my family about when it happened to my grandfather. Uh, he and his brother were driving and they had me in the back of their station wagon. Uh, this was the 70s, great big uh, wood paneled Ford Mercury station wagon, if you remember those. And, and the windows were open. I was sitting in that back seat facing backwards and, uh, and they forgot I was back there and pulled into a car wash. And uh, yeah, created a moment I'll never forget. Uh, and a moment the family's never stopped laughing about. I was covered with soap from head to toe, washed real good by the time we got out. Grandma gave Grandpa a really hard time about that. He got distracted and he forgot what he was doing. And God wants to talk to us about that this morning. You know, I love puns. And when it comes to being distracted, I, I ran across a few that I'd share with you this morning as we think about being distracted. For example, you know about the man who said, when my wife was in labor, I tried to distract her from her pain by telling jokes. It didn't work. Must have been the delivery. You with me on that one? Or how about this? I can't take my dog to the park anymore because he keeps distracting the ducks. They follow him everywhere. I guess that's what I get for having a purebred dog. No, I do not apologize for that. I do not apologize at all. A couple more. Man said, I tried to distract my wife from her persistent headaches by telling her about the two Italian farmers who got into a fight over their crops. They were screaming at each other, that's a migraine. Yeah, the guys in the office particularly like that one. How about this? I get distracted when I was playing pool with my buddy. I got distracted when I was playing pool with my buddy until he handed me my stick. And I said, I guess that's my cue. Okay, I'll stop now. <laughs> but we're talking about distraction today. And distraction is a powerful thing. It happens more in our modern world than maybe it ever has. I read an article this week about the city of Salzburg in Austria where they found that more than 40% of downtown pedestrian injuries were caused by what they call smartphone zombies. People walking and paying so much attention to their phones that they lose awareness of what's going on around them. And the problem is so pronounced that in the city of Salzburg, as you'll see in this slide here, they've begun to put airbags around lampposts just to protect people from injuring themselves through their distraction. Hard to imagine that we could get that distracted, but we do. And sometimes distraction can be tragic, not just silly, but tragic. In December of 2015, 33-year-old Joshua Burwell from Indiana was visiting San Diego, California, and he heard about a place called the Sunset Cliffs on the California coast. And he went there to see the beauty of those cliffs. But when he got there, he became so distracted by what he was following on his phone 
that he literally walked right off the cliff and lost his life. Imagine, he, he traveled halfway across the country to see something beautiful, but when he got there, he was so distracted that not only did he miss it, but he lost his life in the process. Distraction can have powerful consequences, and never more so than when it comes to eternal life, when it comes to our journey through this temporary world towards a permanent one. And God wants to talk to us about that today, friends. I invited you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. God doesn't want us distracted from what's most real. And so he calls our constant attention to what's most real. Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. We're going to move down through verse 15, but let's, let's start here at the beginning, verses 1 to 4, and then work our way through. Here's what the Bible says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died in Christ, and your life is now hidden with him in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also, your true self, your full self, your eternal self, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay, let's, let's pause for a moment. Set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above. Let's talk about why that's significant. First of all, understand that the Apostle Paul isn't saying we should pay no attention to earthly things. But he is saying that our primary focus should be on things above. Let me just ask you, as your fellow human being right here and now, is that where your primary attention is focused? Or is it on earthly things? Earthly things need our attention, but eternity requires, calls for, begs for, our much greater attention for the good of the earthly things. You know, when you and me drive with our children in our cars, we aren't nearly as attentive to our kids as we might be if we were sitting in the living room. Instead, most of our attention is focused on driving. Why? Because we recognize that the best thing for them in those moments is not that our attention would be focused on them, but that it would be focused on our driving. Now, we don't ignore them completely, but we say things like, honey, you'll just have to wait until I'm through driving, and then we can deal with what's going on there. And God is calling us to live like that here in this world, focused on eternity, before we're focused on earthly things here below. I remember one time driving with Isaiah when he was a toddler. It was just him and me in, in my old pickup, and he was strapped in over there on the passenger side, and somehow he got really sick, and all of a sudden, he just threw up all over everything. He's about four years old when this happened. But when it happened, we were on the freeway. Now, he was miserable. He was crying, and he didn't feel good, and it made a mess, and it stank to high heaven. Probably, if you're a parent, you've been there. But did I suddenly stop and focus all my attention on him and his situation? No. I was driving on the freeway. And so I said, son, you just have to wait till we pull off, you know, hang in there. My attention needs to remain on the road. In the same way, God says, hey, Greg, I need your attention on heavenly things. I need your heart and mind set on eternal things for the sake of the earthly things around you. 
You see, God wants us more focused on eternity than anything that happens in the meantime. Why? Because what's at stake in relation to eternity is so much greater than what's at stake here. And this touches our lives in some incredibly everyday practical ways. When our attention is focused on eternity, for example, then we hear Jesus saying, as he does in Matthew chapter 12, I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Because lots of people aren't paying attention to eternity, they think their words don't matter. Jesus says they do, even the idle, careless ones. And when your attention is fixed on things above, on the life to come, on the eternity that is there, it changes how you talk, changes how you use your tongue. Doesn't mean you don't pay attention here, it means you're paying more attention there. The same thing comes in when it comes to helping our, our fellow human being. When our eyes are fixed on eternity, it changes our willingness to do that, to engage in serving our neighbors. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he's my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. When our eyes are fixed on eternal things, we become more willing to help our neighbors, to assist those in need. We, when our eyes are fixed on eternal things, we stop worrying about getting noticed because we know that we're being noticed by our Father in heaven, because we know that we're being noticed by eternity. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 6. He said, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Very often, we fall into the trap of trying to gain one another's attention because our, eternities, our attention is fixed here, rather than the attention of our Father God, whose, whose opinion of what we do and say is the only one that matters. When our hearts and minds are set on things above, that changes. And suddenly getting noticed by other people doesn't matter nearly as much. And, and, and you know, another angle on this is that when we have our heart and mind set on things above, we understand that secret sin really isn't secret. We know that it's being seen. We know that what we do in secret matters for good and for bad. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 12. He said, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be known. What you have said in the dark, Greg, will be heard in the daylight. And what you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. When our attention is fixed on things above, our heart and mind are set on things above, it changes how we see sin, and especially secret sin. When we remember this, it changes how we live in profound ways. You know, one of the great tragedies of our time here in 2020 is the number of people who have lost their lives taking dangerous selfies. Maybe you've heard about this a little bit. In an effort to get a lot of likes on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, there's this trend of people taking selfies from the flagpoles of skyscrapers or hanging off of cliffs or, or dangling over volcanoes. In the last six years, they tell us that more than 300 people have died taking those kinds of selfies. Take a look at just a couple of examples of what I'm talking about. Yeah, take a look at this woman. 
lost her life taking pictures like this. Or this guy. Yeah, perished, famous in China and around the world. Lost his life taking pictures like that. Or, or, or this woman. Can you imagine? Or this guy. He is dangling over an active volcano in order to take a selfie. How foolish is that? Why is it happening? It's happening because his attention is fixed on earthly things and not on things above. Because he's looking for being noticed here rather than aware of the watching of a Father God. Church, setting your mind on things above means paying attention to what matters most, especially when we're tempted to pay attention to what matters less. You know, if I can be silly for a moment, when I was in high school, back in the day, I was so worried every day about my hair. This was the days of big hair, late 70s, early 80s. And, and I would spend all this time in the morning trying to get my hair just right before I went to school. And sometimes it would make me not want to go to school because I couldn't get it the way I thought it should be. How silly is that? As adults, we can look back and say, wow, Craig, you know, you were paying attention to the wrong things. In the same way, God says to us, hey, what are you paying attention to here on earth? Do you realize that high school's just passing? You know, if I can be really transparent with you, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I got so hung up on how I might appear to other people that I would literally go in my back room and practice a certain kind of walk all the time, my backyard. And I tried to get this certain walk down because I thought it was the kind of walk cool guy should have. And how silly it was. I look back on it now and I just laugh. Well, why did I do that? Why was I that foolish? Because my attention was fixed on temporary things. We do the same kinds of things in our everyday life. We get consumed by oh, our reputation. We get consumed by our, our level of getting noticed. We get consumed by how, what our friends think or what our enemies think. And God says, the only real question is what I think. I'm your father. I'm the one who matters. I'm the one you're going to spend forever with. And when your heart and mind are set on things above, it changes how we live here below. So God says to us, look at verses 5 and following in Colossians 3. He says, because of this, I, I want your attention fixed on things above. And here's why. He said, so, so put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. The things you do because you're paying attention here. Put to death sexual immorality and impurities of all kinds. Put to death your lust, your evil desires, your greed. These things are idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. There are lots of people who think the wrath of God isn't coming because they're not paying attention to things above. But God says it is. Paul says, you used to walk in, in these ways in the life you once lived, but now that you know the eternity is there for you. Now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other because your heart and mind are set on things above. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, the one designed for your destination, for things above which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. You see, in the early church, people understood. They looked at each other and said, if you believe in Jesus, 
I don't care if you're from a red state or a blue state. I don't care if you're country or city. I don't care about anything except your choice to receive Jesus as your Savior and to follow Him as your Lord. God calls us to set our heart on that reality above all others. He says, get rid of what belongs to your earthly nature because it prevents you from enjoying eternity. You know, if I can stretch this metaphor a little bit, imagine arriving in Tahiti with suitcases full of ski clothing. <laughs> Suddenly, Tahiti's hard to enjoy. And there's part of that idea in this moment. God says, put to death the ski clothes. You're going to Tahiti. Focus on that reality. Uh, let me challenge you. Would people assume from your social media that your heart and mind are set on things above or things below? Would they assume from your social media that you're putting off rage, anger, and malice? Or that you're putting it on? See, those are the challenges we live with. When our heart and mind are set on things above, it changes how we talk, how we behave, what we seek here below. Church, lots of people think so little of the world to come that they don't even fear God. And that is the root of most of the chaos in our world. You know, I read the news and I hear awful stories. And I think to myself, how could someone do that? How could someone choose to behave like that? You know what the answer is? There's no fear of God. Their heart and mind are not aware of things above. They're willfully ignoring the fact that his judgment is coming. Jesus tells us not to do that. He says to pay attention. In the same way that, that when I've got Isaiah in the car and he throws up, I pay more attention to the fact that I'm going 70 miles down or down the freeway than what's going on in the passenger seat, God says, pay more attention to the eternity that you are racing towards than to the moment that you're in. Jesus put it this way. He said, I will tell you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the killing of the body has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, Jesus says, fear him. It's not fashionable sometimes today to preach about the fear of God, but the reality is that the fear of God sets us free to experience the love of God. It keeps us safe. Again, when my son was small, one of the things that I would do was, was, was make sure that he knew I didn't want him running out of the yard because there was a street full of traffic there. And I put into him, out of my love, my fear of him, to keep him safe. And our awareness of things above will have the same profound impact on us. Jesus says, set your heart and mind on the fact that judgment is coming and it will help you stay focused on what's important here and now. When we set our heart on things above, though, it, we don't merely get in touch with the fear of God. When we do that, we get in touch with the love and grace of God. We are brought back to the awareness of His grace. Look at verse 1. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That is a phrase pregnant with meaning. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, meaning that all his work on our behalf is finished. It is done. Our grace is earned by his work on the cross. And we are meant to set our hearts, our minds on that reality so that we can rest in his grace. I love how Pastor Timothy Keller illustrates this. He says, imagine that you're a billionaire 
and you order pizza and the pizza guy delivers it and he doesn't give you the right change. In fact, he, he rips you off for 20 bucks. Maybe it was intentional, maybe it wasn't, but it's only after he drives away that you realize that the pizza guy just shorted you 20 bucks. If you're a billionaire, how do you feel in that moment? You go, huh, well, you know, I got lots more. I've got so much that I'm not gonna stress over 20 bucks. I'm not gonna worry, I'm not gonna fear. And you might even say to yourself, hey, I hope the guy enjoys the extra 20 bucks. He's not a billionaire. God invites us to set our heart and mind on things above so we can live like that in this world, full of grace for the people around us. That is how you overcome your earthly nature. You say to yourself, wow, what I've got waiting for me in my home in the Father's house is so great that the loss of a little here doesn't have the power to ruin my spirit or to throw me off the course that God's called me to follow. So, the Bible goes on to say, verses 12 and following, the last part of our passage this morning, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, people who know they have that reward above, people who know that Jesus' work on the cross on our behalf is a finished work. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility and gentleness and patience. How desperately our world needs such things. But because our world's mind isn't set on things above, they don't see the need for it. Because ours are, we do see the crying need for these things. Bear with each other. That means to put up with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's a mouthful. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Church, the peace of Christ is what comes from knowing what's coming and keeping your attention focused on it. This has incredible benefits. When our mind and heart are set on things above, we become more helpful, more fruitful, more free here and now. I love how C.S. Lewis writes about this. He says, the Christians who do most for this present world are precisely those who think most of the next world. It is only since we have largely ceased to think of the world to come that we have become ineffective in this one. This is a big deal. Let me challenge us this morning. Is your mind and heart set on things above or things here below? Ask yourself, where is my focus? Where is my attention chiefly engaged? And if you're having trouble answering that question, just ask you this, from where do you get most of your reasons to be fearful? Is it from the news? Is it from what's going on in your neighborhood or your school? Where do you get most of your reasons to be joyful? Do you look for them only on, uh, you know, in this world? Or do you recognize that the joy lies beyond it? 
All of this stuff is a big deal, friends. And so God calls us, God calls you and me as his sons and daughters, as followers of Jesus, to set our hearts, to proactively choose, to set our hearts and minds on things above. You know, everybody's heard the story of the wreck of the Titanic. But it's not the only maritime tragedy that gripped the attention of the world. There's a number of them, and one of them occurred on September 27th. 1854. That was when a, a steamship, the RMS Arctic, uh, a passenger ship, I'm sorry, left Liverpool sailing for New York City. Uh, on board there were more than 400 passengers. And just off the coast of Newfoundland, up there in northeastern Canada, the Arctic collided with a smaller French ship and the damage was so great that the Arctic, the passenger ship, began to sink. In one of the most awful stories in maritime history, the crew of the Arctic rushed for the lifeboats and took off without even trying to save the passengers. Of those more than 400 passengers on board, only 22 survived. None of them were women and children. All the women and children perished. And it wasn't because there weren't enough lifeboats. It wasn't because there wasn't room in the lifeboats. It wasn't because people weren't able to be rescued. It was because in the moment, those crew members could only see the moment. They couldn't see beyond the moment. They chose not to see beyond the moment. But when the truth of what had happened came out, as the truth always does, those crew who survived the wreck became some of the most hated and reviled people in the world. In the chaos and catastrophe of that night, they weren't thinking about the world to come. The challenge this morning is, are we, are you? God says, Greg, I want you to set your heart and your mind on things above, because it will change how you live here below. It will make you who you are meant to be, who your soul wants to be. But if you get distracted and don't pay attention to the world to come, don't set your heart and mind on things above, you'll lose the ability to be that person. So God challenges us, brothers and sisters, to make that choice. Have you? Where is your heart and mind fixed in this season, in these times? Is it set on things above or on things below? Is it set on God's inevitable coming judgment? Is it set on the grace that Jesus offers on the cross? Or has it been distracted by something else? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word and the reminder that things above, the world to come, are so much more significant than everything we see around us. And Lord Jesus, you invite us to fix our eyes on that. Help us to do just that. Help us to have our attention riveted on things above, on your judgment, on your grace, that we might find the power and the ability to be the kind of people that you want us to be here below, that the best part of us wants to be. We pray for that. Those of us who have become distracted, Lord, draw our attention back to things above, we pray. And as we're praying in this moment, maybe you say to yourself, you know what, I, I have no connection with things above. I haven't seriously thought about 
heaven and hell. I haven't thought about eternity and forever. I've been distracted by so many other things. And now I realize that I haven't been who I'm supposed to be. The Bible calls that knowing that you're a sinner. And in this moment, Jesus offers to be your savior. The gospel is so simple, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And God is offering you that eternal life in this moment. All you have to do is turn to him and say, yes, I'm a sinner. I've chosen to be distracted by lesser things and I've lived in anger, rage and malice, impurity and lust. You say, God, I want, I want you to help me change that. In the moment that you tell him that, he promises to come into you, to come alongside you, and to father you. And he gives you that invitation right here and right now in this moment. You can make that choice now. Jesus said it's like planting a seed. Once you do, it will grow. And you can make that choice right now. God, for those of us who know your love and grace, help us not to be distracted from it. Help us today to set our hearts and minds on things above. We pray for that and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us, church family. I hope that you're connecting either online or in the live services. Both are available. You can come and join us on Sunday mornings. You can join us anytime online as well as live on Sunday mornings. We'd be thrilled to have you with us. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love them. Have a great time.